0: CHAPTER ONE Occasionally, my behavior reminded me of that famous apothem of the theater. Good acting demands absolute sincerity, and if you can fake that, you've got it made. What brought on that introspective twitch was that, at the moment, I was perched on the edge of a lumpy armchair, leaning forward attentively, alert as a bird dog, exhibiting every evidence of sympathetic interest, including clucking and bored out of my gourd. I was listening to a lecture by Mrs. Gertrude Smythe Hurstforth, a large imperious lady who may have been the best bridge player in the town of Palm Beach, but whose conversation had once been described to me as a diarrhea of words and a constipation of ideas. Mrs. Smythe Hurstforth was expounding on the importance of family tradition and bloodlines, and how, in the current mongrelized, her word, Palm Beach society, it was more important than ever that people of breeding circle the wagons to defend their world against the determined assault of lesser beings, many of whom didn't have a single hyphen to their name. After all, Archie, quoth she, one must have pride in one's family. Don't you just love it? This overstuffed matron was implying that if your name was Smith, Chico, or Rabinowitz, You were incapable of pride and probably bought your jockey shorts at Kmart. In Britain, family determines class, but in America, it's money. I could have explained that to her, but what was the use? The reason I was listening to Mrs. Smythe hearseforth rubbish with dissembled fascination was that she was an old and valued client of McNally and Son, attorney at law. My father is the attorney. I am the son. We had inherited Gertrude after her husband, Reginald, dropped dead from cardiac arrest after missing a 10 inch putt on the fourth green at his club. It is now reverently referred to as Reggie's Hole in his honor. I am not an attorney myself, having been expelled from Yale Law for a minor contretemps. During a performance by the New York Philharmonic, I had streaked across the stage, naked except for a Richard M. Nixon mask. To this day, it is of some satisfaction that I garnered more applause than Shostakovich's Symphony Number no. 9 in E-flat major. After I returned in disgrace from New Haven to Palm Beach, my father provided me with gainful employment by creating a section in his law firm, Eclept, the Department of Discreet Inquiries. I was the sole member— and it was my task to conduct investigations requested by our moneyed clients, who didn't wish to consult law enforcement agencies and possibly see their personal problems emblazoned on the covers of those tabloids stacked next to sliced salami in supermarkets. This particular inquiry had been initiated with iron determination by the aforementioned Mrs. Gertrude Smythe-Hersforth. Her son, unmarried— had apparently become enamored of a local lady fifteen years his junior, and he wished to plight his troth. In other words, Chauncey Wilson Smythe Hurstforth yearned to get hitched, and to a woman whose surname of Johnson seemed to his mother distressingly plebeian, and therefore suspect. In view of Mommy's prejudices, you would think, wouldn't you, that the Smythe Hersforths rated at least a page in Burke's peerage. Au contraire. I happen to know that Lemuel Smythe had founded the family fortune by selling moldy bread to Union forces during the Civil War, and had subsequently tripled his net worth by marrying Abigail Hersforth the only child of Isaac Hurstforth, who had made his pile in the slave trade.